The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. We are very fortunate again today to have Michael Murdad uh, here this week to talk with us about the awakening process. Michael is the best-selling author of The Seven Initiations of the Spiritual Path and Sacred Sexuality, A Manual for Living Bliss. Michael is also a world-renowned spiritual teacher, healer, and counselor who has facilitated thousands of classes, lectures, and workshops throughout the world on mastery, spirituality, relationships, and healing. He's suitably named the teacher's teacher and the healer's healer due to his ability to share the deepest feelings in a clear, applicable manner. Michael's most recent book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up, is subtitled The Five Stages of Soul Transformation because of its clear explanation of the transformational process of awakening. From Michael, you can expect to learn all about how to move from dark night to the soul to a new life. So stay with us throughout the show today. You are going to learn to, learn to get some powerful life-changing information. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Hello there. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, we're so glad to have you back on. We we need your wisdom. So today we're going to be talking about this waking up process and those five stages of waking up. First thing I want to know is why do we need to wake up? Why can't we just self-improve or increase our self-esteem or something? <laughs> well, basically, um, the waking up is something that all of us really want to do deep inside. Um, although we have a an ego-centered compulsion to not wake up, to, to stay asleep, which is the same as saying um, staying, staying numb or staying complacent. The bottom line is, uh, even just on a primal level, on a biological level, all human beings want to grow. We have a, 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 a core inside, and that's the spirit. That's the, the voice of God or whatever a person would like to call it. There's, there's something in us that's more primal than our primal nature, let's say, the spiritual nature, which says we will not allow complacency. We will grow. So it's not just um, the old, uh, you know, biological development, and it, it's also an intellectual development, but it's, it's a spiritual development. It's a, there's a soul that needs to grow inside of us and become more than just fear-based, complacent people. And so that's easily said, but it's not just about some you know, catastrophic global awakening, let's say. These things don't just happen on a catastrophic level. They're also a day-to-day decision-making process. And so... Any time that you, in a sense, any time that you allow complacency or, or stuckness or even, like, behaviors or thoughts or feelings that are, in a sense, going backwards, like more fear-based, more anger-based, more limiting in your thinking, 
uh, limited in your thinking, or, or even just relationships where we refuse to talk to each other about our, our issues or our needs. All of that is not a growing species. If you want to just, you know, I'm just using the, the biological kind of analogy for a moment. Spiritually or personally, psychologically, spirit, it's just not, you're not growing when you entertain these kinds of lifestyles. And so, as simple as it, sound, it sounds, even in our relationships, when we refuse to communicate, we're technically stuck or stagnant. Now, that in itself is not good. It's not healthy. No species is going to do well if it becomes complacent or moves backwards. I mean, you know, ask the dinosaurs. It's like they're gone. They, they you know, only a few could adapt. So a species that can't adapt is going to be extinct. We need to adapt, and not just in grandiose ways, but in day-to-day living, uh, being able to express our needs, being able to improve our lives, learning to move from just primal instincts of survival, which is like the, the primitive reptilian part of our brain. I mean, we have at least four primary uh, segments of our brain to, that's, that are supposed to function, and if all we're doing is coming from our primitive place, which says all I'm supposed to do is you know, go out, have a job, make money, come home, pay the bills, go to work again until I die. My goodness, and, and that's only barely exaggerating for some people because that's all we really do. So some of us add relationship, but we're still living the same style of relationship as the other with their jobs. We go, we say hello every day, we say goodnight every night, and we just do the same thing every day. We're supposed to be growing, communicate better, enhance your sensuality, enhance your communication skills, enhance your prosperity, enhance everything about, including your health, enhance everything about yourself. So that's why we have a primal instinct that's a spiritual instinct that's even much greater, uh, much, much greater than our so-called primal instinct uh, on a biological level. There's a spiritual instinct that tells us all we want to grow, we want to become better people, and, and the worst part about it is, in a sense, as much as we would like on an ego level to prolong this and keep it from happening, our soul will have its way, and, and it's going to almost create um, upheavals in our lives to make us grow. And that's where you know, some of us say, oh, it's the devil, or it's God, or, or it's just fate, or it's my astrological planets are doing this and that to me. And it isn't. Your own soul wants to grow, and it will put you into circumstances that will help you grow so you can become closer and closer to, you know, your, your true self, your spiritual self. Okay, so that's what we're waking up to then. We're waking up to that spiritual self, that true self. That's right. In a sense, we've, we've gone into a sleep. We've gone into a, an amnesia, a, a, almost like a hypnosis on planet Earth, a complacency, as I called it. That's why I'm saying it's the complacence or the... Sleep, they're all the same in metaphor. They're all the same. They're, they're analogous to one another. They're, they're, you're dead. You're numb. You're lifeless. You're spiritless. You're hopeless, meaning without hope. Um, you're broke. You're, you're stuck. You're afraid. None of those are good. You're supposed to be, you were meant to be, as some say, created in God's image. So where is that? And you're not having that when you're stuck every day. So where is that thing that is expansive and alive and joyous and capable of working miracles and, and loving and so on. And, uh, that's that's got to come out. So one way or the other, and I always say we're going to get this one way or the other, the easy way or the hard way. Those are our only two options. The good news is it's going to happen. The bad news is some of us choose the hard way, and we, we need one two-by-four over the head after another to get us to get anywhere. And, and, you know, at least 
the good news is at least you're going to get something even from that and grow. But you really, we don't really need to be learning the hard way forever. Right. And I guess part of the reason we learn the hard way not only is our resistance, but we just keep not learning from the things, the crises that do arise. That's very well said. That's right. A lot of people refuse to even learn from the crisis that do arise, and which is strange, but it, it's, um, it's our um, safe haven to kind of pretend that, um, you know, kind of staying in denial that, that we had no, uh, no thing we could do about it. We were, um, you know, we're sort of in denial because that's one of our coping mechanisms, isn't it? Denial. There's also blaming, but um, denial and minimizing, these are techniques, these are tactics we use to um, keep the truth a little bit further away from ourselves. If you slow down, listen, take responsibility and so forth, that really puts you in a scary place, which is a good place, but a scary place at first because you're then having to look at yourself. Um, An example would be, uh, you know, one of the scariest part of ever going into any kind of 12-step program, which is a a really technically a 12-step program is a healing process. It's, It's not just you know, to be a former alcoholic or something like that. It's, it's a healing process to change your thinking, to change your beingness. So, you know, you can't even go into a 12-step program without the requirement of having to look at what makes you tick. Look, look at what got you into this place. Not just, okay, you drink too much, now here's a technique on how to stop drinking. That's not what any of those programs are about. They're about okay, we see this is happening, you recognize you need some help, you, you need to call in spirits, you, you're sort of powerless over this, you need to call in a higher power here, and you're going to need to take some responsibility and look at what makes you tick. How did you get to this place? And what harms have you done from being in this place? Make amends for those harms, and then teach others what you gain from this process. So it's kind of a complete program, any of those types of programs, they're, they're complete in that they take you through all those, you know, steps. So in, in, in what I teach, like such as in the book, you know, you're not going crazy, you're just waking up, its subtitle is the five stages of the soul transformation process. And that really is, the, the other part is really more the catchy phrase, you know, you're not going crazy, you're waking up, because that's how people feel. They think they're actually going crazy when, in fact, their soul and life is trying to wake them up, and they're going to go, my God, I must be crazy to be thinking about changing my life or to think about uh, the fact that I don't like my job. I better just be quiet and be happy with it. I'm lucky to even have one. That's crazy thinking, because you are meant to have more than just getting by types of lifestyles. You're meant to be alive, thriving at work and in your relationships and in your parenting and whatever else you do, your health. It's all supposed to be there, and yet people just, they want to squeak by and just kind of, you know, fly real low and, and, and uh, you know, without passion. So we're meant to be fully alive, so I say, you know, a lot of people feel like they're going crazy when they feel that calling that says, enough is enough. And so the process, when that happens, it, there are five stages to that process. When you and I, any of us, say, enough is enough whether it's, it's time for me to end this relationship because it's abusive, or it's time for me to look for a new job because this one isn't fulfilling. It may, it may be scary, which is why you think you're crazy. It may be scary, but it's a necessity. It's, it's a calling towards my higher good. Now, the biggest mistake you'll make after the process starts would be to try to panic. It would be to panic and to try to reestablish the old ways. In other words, 
Um, I end a relationship because somebody was physically abusive to me. I, I hang in there. I go through a, a week, a month, or whatever. Eventually, being alone becomes overwhelming. I get scared, and I call that person back into my life. That's the biggest mistake we make after we get rolling on this process, is that we run back to the old lifestyle. And knowing that you, on, on some level, you knew it wasn't quite right for you, in a sense, you're going to really put in some new layers of guilt and shame because you knew darn well that wasn't right for you. you, you but you chickened out and you ran back. So you're going to really add a little bit of extra uh, hurdles for yourself next time around. But, you know, in either case, we all learn we're going to learn this way or that way, easy way or the hard way. But it's time, you know, when people are waking up and I say, look, you, you, you're not going crazy. You already were crazy. You were crazy to be at a job that wasn't for you. You were crazy to be in a relationship that was abusive. What's really happening is you're waking up. And the odd thing at this point is that when you and I begin to wake up in our lives, usually there's plenty of people around us in our circles, families, whatever it is, you know, that are going to try to convince us that by changing our lives we're crazy. And that's because they're crazy and they want you to stay like them. Right, right. That's exactly right. All right, well, we're going to talk some more about that part, the family part, where people want us to stay like them. In just a few minutes, we're talking today with Michael Murdad. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. 
and I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you today by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, an interfaith college meant to help you to change your world and yourself. Um, we're talking today to Michael Murdad, and we're talking about his latest book called You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. And we were talking just before the break about how it is that sometimes family and friend, even with the best of intentions, will sort of try to interfere with our waking up process, if I can put it that way. Uh, you want to say some more about that, Michael? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the um, you know one of the closest circles to us is family, and sometimes that's family meaning um, parents, you know, like past close family, and then there's current. Sometimes that's our husband, wives, you know, husbands and wives now, maybe even our children. But um, there, are, there's family, and that's a, one of our closest circles, obviously for most people anyway. And all, all of these institutions, whether they're a religion, whether it's family, whether it's your race or your culture, even the region we live in, each of these has its own theme, its own sort of energy, another layer and another layer and another layer over um, deciding who we are and what we are. They're not necessary for us. Ultimately, when people wake up, they completely, they learn to completely withdraw from identifications like that. I'm this race, I'm that culture. But while people are in their more fundamental stages of life, consciousness, growth, they tend to be afraid of being out there on their own, so they they must identify with something else. There are people that are divorced for 10 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they still have the the name of their former husband, which I'm not blaming or shaming. I'm just saying that's how afraid we are to come out and say, well, who am I? Am I I still, am I just the ex of this person and carry their name? And I don't care what reasons they have for it. It could be... Well, for the children. Well, the children are now 50, and you still have your, you know, ex-husband's name. So it's, these are all statements of fear, and, and, and we do this culturally, we do this racially, and so on. But ultimately, we're spiritual beings, not just human beings. We're borrowing the human body, and the more we identify with those bodies, the more limited we become, because a spirit is not limited, a body is. So... When we ident- our consciousness identifies not with our spiritual unlimited selves, but with our human limited selves, 
we're immediately downgrading who we are, what we can do, and what we can achieve, what we can experience. So family makes a, a, has a big place. Family has a, a fairly significant place in our belief systems, that is. They don't need to, but they, they end up quite often having a place. And so when we want to wake up our lives, unfortunately, a lot of times family is one of the strongest voices saying, not allowed. You know, don't go there. You must be crazy. You know, and, and then, you know, just using a, an actual common example, one of the more common examples, is if a person says, you know, I, I want to change jobs or relationships. I want to end this relationship. Family is often there to say, no, don't do that because you have a good-paying job, or don't leave this relationship because our culture doesn't believe in divorce, or our religion doesn't believe in divorce. Um, you know, who are they to say so? This is, this is about you. This is about you and God, your growth into God consciousness or into re- your return to heaven or whatever terminology fits. It's about your growth. And so other people shouldn't, but they do, get involved with your growth. It should be between you and God, but people are actually, on a practical level, trying to inhibit our, our role, our growth. And i got to say that, you know, if you did some surveys, if you took some some honest time to look at why, if anybody did, they would find that most people would try to dampen your spirits generally because of their own issues. It's not as much, which they would claim, that they're worried about you changing jobs. Surely there is some of that here and there. But they're more concerned about them, themselves. They're more concerned about how we'll look at church if people know that our child got a divorce how we'll look if our child doesn't get straight A's in school, how we'll look if this and that and the other. It's very self-motivation, you know. It's self-motivated. Um, all the way many years ago, surveys were done about people when they, when they witness a, a marriage and they, 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 they cry and so forth. Well, surveys were done on this, and they found, shockingly, that people were not as much crying in joy as much as you would assume, as much as about their life, their lives changing, not so much for the bride and groom, as much as they found it to be far more self-centered tears when they uh, checked, checked this out with people and surveyed people. So we have that in our nature. We think first about ourselves on a fear-based level, and we impose that on other people. So families have way too strong of a, of a pull. I know people who have not gone in the direction of career and have not married people they were in love with because their mothers or fathers told them it wasn't okay, it wasn't right. Mm. Now, I, as a counselor and as a healer and such, I first and foremost would tell you to divorce that parent. Don't speak to them if they would try to inhibit your life like that. Now, I'm exaggerating only slightly, but seriously, I don't buy into that. There's no reason why our lives need any more complications than they already have. And when people we love would... They, you know, they claim to love us, would do things without our higher, uh, you know, our best interests um, and not support our goals. If I'm an artist, and I mean I'm an, I know I'm an artist, why would it matter? If you're my parents, why would you try to make me become an accountant or, or a doctor or whatever else? Why? Because it makes you look better? Because it's our way? It's our culture? It's our pride? It's, you know, it's the income? What do you care? It's my life. I want to be an artist. Why wouldn't you support that? So it really makes no sense to me, that kind of imposition that we play out on people. And we must grow up. We must let only spirit guide us. 
inside of us there is a compass. Like the old law was, once upon a time we followed the, the laws on the tablets called commandments, and whether it's, whether it's the laws of the Vedas for the Hindu or the commandments for the Jews, doesn't matter. The bottom line is, once upon a time, the laws were written in form, but all those laws later were told by greater teachers, mystics and such, that those laws are now written in the human heart. So we each need to find that compass that tells us which direction to go, and that direction is always about love and peace and joy and abundance, because those are what God is. Those are synonymous with God. When you follow joy, when you follow love, when you follow integrity, you're following what you know to be God in your own heart. Nobody else on planet Earth can nor should have the power to tell you any different. So we must nurture that, that awareness of that compass first. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, if I act mindless, if I act like, you know, and I refuse to take my own responsibility for my own life, then in a sense I deserve to have you um, button in my life and telling me what to do and not do. In a sense, you're doing it because you sense my weakness. So maybe you, you really are thinking you're helping me out. But at some point, I should turn to you and say, wait a minute, thank you for, for trying to guide me when I was weak and, and not, not waking up here. But I got it now. I know what I'm meant to do, and I'm going to follow that. At that point, you should smile and back off, knowing you've done what you can do, and you've done a great thing, supposedly great. But at some point, we've got to let people live their own lives. We should not be marrying based on culture. We should not be marrying based on race or religion or anything else or or family members. So family's a strong one, and we have to to learn to stand our ground and um, say to others. And others really reflect our own fears, you know? And family's one of them. They'll, they'll pick up on every fear. And I know people that get on the spiritual path, and boy, you know, as much as family says, oh, family's always there for you, family always loves you, you know what, my experience in the thousands of people I've worked with in just private sessions alone, family once in a while does seem to be supportive. But so often, the family that's supposed to always love you and can, unconditional, always be there for you, they're often the ones that are the worst on you when you're wanting to wake up, when you're wanting to make a change that's not suitable to them. And that includes your spiritual path. There's plenty of family members to tell you, if you do this, you're going to go to hell. Literally, if you do this, you're going to hell. If you do this, I won't be able to talk to you anymore because my pastor says you're part of the devil or whatever stories they come up with, as strange as some of them are. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, love is the greatest power. So if I'm your family member and and you're doing something, um, I can set boundaries. If you're doing something that's harmful to others especially, I'm allowed to say, you know what, you're, you're physically abusing your wife, I'm going to be breaking communication with you until you heal. I think that's healthy, strong boundary. Right. But if you're not doing something I want based on such limited stories as race and culture, you, you, know, you, you, could, you know, you decided to cook our traditional Sunday meal different than we cook it. I know a person who who, um, you know, used to um, have a tradition of how to put up their Christmas tree. Well, their ch- his children uh, got older and they got their own families, except they wanted, you know, they got wives and the wives had different ideas of how the Christmas tree, tree should go up. That parent told those families, I refuse to ever come to your homes again on Christmas because you broke our tradition. Here you, you know, you're talking about human relations, love and family, and it all went to hell in a handbasket when somebody decided to decorate the tree differently. 
that's how crazy it can be. Absolutely, and that just speaks to the external um, voices that they, our families have for us. It doesn't even speak to the voices from our family, our parents, etc., that we have internalized and use against ourselves. Oh, absolutely. We, we, we beat ourselves up. That's what's really peculiar is, is even when those voices are gone externally, they're, they're still running in our head. And that's, again, what I meant by responsibility. At some point, we, we can actually learn from those old voices, not only by saying no to some of them, but we can learn from them by recognizing that they actually mirrored our own fears. They actually just reflected some of our own self-doubt. That's a huge learning curve. That's a huge stage or step in responsibility to say, you know, deep down, I guess these folks, you know, the only reason I let them control me the way they did is because, in a sense, I was sort of afraid of taking control myself. But now I got it. Yep. And that's where you're going to look like you're waking up and somebody's definitely going to whine about it. Somebody's definitely going to have a problem with it. And even that is a reflection of some of your own doubts and such. But we need to be able to say, hush, to them. To them outside and to them inside, we need to be able to say, enough is enough. I understand that there's some fear here, but this is where I'm going, and move on. That's what mastery is about, not succumbing to the constant fears of past or present. Right, absolutely. I'm glad you used that word mastery. We're going to come back to that. Okay, we're talking to Michael Murdad today about his book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. The self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. 
What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back uh, talking today with Michael Murdad about his book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. And we were talking over the last segment of the show about how our families sometimes want to sort of keep us asleep with them as, uh, because they're asleep. And I want to ask, Michael, how do our current religions either help or hinder the waking up process? And as we're going, you may want to sort of move into the five stages as well, but I want to first sort of feel that thing about our current religion, do they help or do they hinder most of the time? Well, you know, there's an old saying, misery loves company. And um, that's one of the reasons family pushed so hard to keep us in, in the old way, because they ultimately, family, um, some of them didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve. So they're going to look and feel bad if you're able to achieve more. They didn't end relationships that they sh- should have probably ended. So, it, you know, they don't how to know how to wrap their mind around you making that progress. It's, it's a funny thing. They would, you would think they would wish the best, that, but they don't sometimes want you to achieve what they couldn't achieve, even though they would say contrary. That's the general negative thing that goes on. Well, with religion, religion is, you know, it, I've always said religion is like learning to write. When you learn to write in elementary school, you have a bottom line that's solid, a middle line that's dashes, and the top line that's solid. And you learn to write A, lowercase a, should not go above the dashes, and so on. And when you do your B, you start above and you come through, you know, you, you, you make it run through the dashed line all the way from top to bottom. Remember that? Just uh-huh. a little, that's called structure. You have to learn structure. Religions have a purpose, even today, to teach structure so that, so that you have a foundation. And to study all religions, you have multiple structures. Now, I don't, I'm not one to believe in studying religions or philosophies or anything um, just to be eclectic for the sake of eclectic, just to, just to have multiple knowledge when you're, in fact, not ever integrating it into your life. If, no matter if you call yourself a theologian or spiritual person or religious person, if you're not applying your one or many philosophies or religions, then really, um, you, you, well, first of all, you're in a sense, you're a hypocrite. And secondly, um, you've wasted your time. You're just sort of somebody that knows information. You have knowledge. But to be spiritual is another story. But, but religion has its foundation. It's for the purpose of what they used to call, um, in the, in the, for the Israelites, 
the Jews were one that they had the, the law, which meant the law of Moses. They, they knew, and the, uh, in the Hindu tradition, those, the Brahmin priests, they knew the laws given in the Vedas. So the religions were really always mostly about reminding us of foundation, which meant our history, especially religious history, but our history and the laws that are best to guide us to proper living. And every religion, for the most part, those laws are certainly still applicable to some degree to, to this day, but they were definitely applicable for the people at the time. But religion, the, one of the difficulties is religion stays stuck in that time as though we're still there. Just like families want to keep you stuck in some other time, race and culture wants to keep you stuck in some other time. Well, by the same token, we're supposed to be evolving, and if a religion can evolve, Hinduism is one of the only ones that claims to keep adapting to the new, but you know, if we can evolve and if the religions can evolve, it may, they'll make more sense to the people at the time. But the more stuck they get, the more um, worthless, in a sense, they become to a new culture. And what's worse is, it's the more harmful they become, but what's worse is, then they have to try to tighten their grip to keep and establish their law. And how to do that? You basically have to guilt and shame people. You have to make them, um, you have to off-center them. Because if they're in their center, they're going to think clearly and go, something's wrong with this picture. You know, I mean, there are people that can't think clearly. They can't check in on themselves in their own heart and say, I wonder if I need to do this today. But, for example, in the Catholic tradition, every religion, mind you, including Catholic, has some wonderful, wonderful pieces to them. But one of the things that's confusing to me is how it is that um, if, if 50 years ago the, the, the religious leader for us said, you're allowed to do this, Fifty years later, the new leader of that same religion says, you're not allowed to do this. Why don't we ask ourselves why it is? Did God tell them that all of a sudden that thing is no good 50 years later? Or is it really just about institutions, and is it about rules and, and governing people based on what their needs are? And so, in a sense, there's religion, and then there's another thing called mysticism. And mysticism is always, every religion has a mystic um, aspect, hidden, usually disliked by the religious component. Um, and has a, a deeper um, searching, a deeper message. The religion tells you how to behave externally, and mystics explain how to be internally. Religions are telling you about God superstitiously, and mysticism is about how to experience God internally. Mm-hmm. Now, all that said, there's an old saying, you know, many people use even today, and that is that um, religion is for those who fear hell and spirituality is for those who have been there. And what that basically means, it's almost like saying, you know, we're, we're past just the, the um, superstitions of what will happen if and what will happen if. I'm, we're in a place of, you know what, I've lived this. I experience God. I don't just talk about it. I don't just study it in a book. I experience it. I choose to experience it. That's my mystic life or spiritual life. And when it comes to negatives, hell, karma, whatever else, we, I live it on a daily basis. You can't threaten that I'm going to go there. I already live it when I don't feel love and expansiveness in my life. When I've hurt somebody, I feel guilt and shame. That is my health, starting now. It doesn't matter if you tell me I'm going to go somewhere. I can work that out right here and now. And that's what healing's all about. Technically, the word healing is the same as miracles. Healing is the same as forgiveness. They're all the same word. They all mean the same thing. And none of them are really referencing tomorrow or yesterday. They're talking about right now. Right now, we can experience a major shift in our consciousness. So people that are into spirituality, more or less, are 
into embracing the changes we can make right now, which is why we go through those five stages of the soul transformation process. It's embrace these changes and stop waiting and stop being, you know, feeling hopeless and stop letting others tell you it's impossible to do. Unless you do what we tell you, you're going to hell. Unless you do what we tell you, um, you're not a good person. That, that, that's for, you know, like many psychologists and scientists say, even though I don't agree with all their viewpoints, they're right that religion is for weak people. But I don't mean it in the rude sense. What I mean is when you're still learning to write within the lines in the alphabet, then you should still have religion because you need it for your foundation. So I like to look at the good in things, and that's, that's the value I give religion. But there's a point where you take away the lines and you're supposed to learn how to write. Free writing, just free handwriting, without the lines anymore. And that's what spirituality is like. It's free writing, free expressing, which is different than still needing the lines. Right, and you're, and you're the one doing it instead of being instructed on to, how to do it. <laughs> exactly. Right, right, absolutely. So, okay, now, the five stages that are, you talk about in your book, um, they start with dismantling. That's pretty scary. Yeah, well, dismantling is a word I can use quite frequently because technically, anytime you have a change in your life, it's called a dismantling. You can have mild dismantlings. Technically, a few hairs can fall from your scalp today. That's a, that's a dismantling. It's an ending. It's a change biologically or anatomically. Um, you can have a change where they put in a new freeway in the area, and now you change the way you go to work. Those are minor changes. They're not, you know, in any way um, dramatic or catastrophic, generally speaking. On, on the flip side, however, um, you could lose a job. That's a little more dramatic. And someone can leave you, you know, and... and um, in your relationship and end a relationship with you. You can have more dramatic changes. Of course, death to, of loved ones is, is hugely uh, a, a dismantling. So there's mild and there's major dismantlings. The, the ultimate dismantling, which happens at least a few times in everybody's life, is when not one, but most or even all areas of your life get dismantled. When, when your health falls and your relationship ends and your job you know, fires you. Um, or closes or whatever, when all the things or most of the things are going wrong all at once, and there's a, God, a helplessness and a hopelessness, a hurt inside, that is traditionally called, and I say traditionally because mystics have used this term for many years, it's called the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, what we'd immediately go, okay, wait, I heard about this dark night of the soul, how can I prevent that? Well, (laughs) the idea is the dark night of the soul, just like dismantling in itself, is not bad. It may feel bad, but it's the soul's way. You know, if you live in certain like areas, like in, on the in the country or on, on the planet, if you live in certain areas and they and you notice, you know, forested areas, if you lived um, during certain times of the year, it seems like nature herself comes in and tries to thin those trees. It knocks them down in the winter time and in the spring and with the with the winds coming and so forth. It's cleaning house, so to speak, and our soul wants to find any extraneous, you know, any excess fat in our, in our lives, and sometimes it wants to clean house. Now, it'll let you get away with having some excesses in your life here and there, but only for so long. So there's a period in everybody's life, and like I said, it happens a few times to most people, and when it does, it usually doesn't last a weekend, it doesn't last a week, it doesn't last a month, usually a year or a couple of years of dismantling. Again, that's the dark night of the soul. And I have to say that 
and I'm saying this partly because of, you, you know, your listeners might very much um, relate or know somebody that's going through it. We should very much be there for each other when we're going through such things. It's not so much that we should wish it away. You're going you're gonna to beg God by any name to take it away from you. Jesus went through the dark night of the soul when he, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane because he knew how to do things in crash courses. He didn't make it last years. He just knew how to feel absolutely dis- absolute despair all in one moment and be able to confront it and say, I recognize this, just as we all do in the dark night, where we say, if it were up to me, let this cup pass. Our job in any dismantling and in any dark night of the soul, because they're basically the same, is not to ask for this to be taken away as much as it is to ask spirit by any name to be with us while we go through it, to give us the strength to endure through these moments and to give us guidance on the, where the tunnel ends and where the light is at the end of the tunnel, to keep focused on where we're going. Because if something's being dismantled, it means it's probably not necessary for me. And to wrap up, it's just the next stage is the, 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 um, the releasing, the, the, the emptiness you feel having lost something. So you're going to feel basically the, the second stage, which is emptiness. The third stage is disorientation. And that's where you're wondering, where do you go from here now that everything's ended or little things have ended or big things have ended? Now who are you and where do you go from here? And that's called disorientation. Okay. We're going to talk about that just a little bit more in the next segment, our final segment with Michael Murbdad today. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. Skills USA can help. What is Skills USA? Skills USA is life changing. Skills USA is awesome. Skills USA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. Skills USA is amazing. Skills USA is motivating. Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. 
Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment with Michael Murdad today, talking about his book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. And before we go any further, Michael, what I'd like for you to do is just tell our listeners how they can connect with you, what you got going on right now. Well, I'm constantly on tour, so uh, if anybody ever wants to connect, they can go to my website, which is Grail Productions, like the Holy Grail, G-R-A-I-L, <coughs> productions.com. And... Um, on that website, there's most everything they need, like in terms of my five-day intensives. I teach a couple times a year on mastery or spirituality or whatnot, healing or whatever. And um, then there's, you know, constant. Um, there's tours every. I mean, I'm, um, this week I'm in, last week I was in Toronto, Ontario. This week I'm in Connecticut. Next week, I think it's, um, um, is it Baltimore yet? Uh, you know, I usually don't even know until I get my plane tickets emailed <laughs> to me. But, um or my pass in passes and so forth. But, um, you know, I'm going to be in um, Baltimore, and I'm going to be in um, oh, where else. Um, I think I end up in Texas in a few weeks. It just keeps going and going. And um, so it's, it's, it's a steady flow. And, and, you know, if they look on the itinerary, they'll see when I'm in their area. And a lot of people, you know, I may not get to somebody's specific town, but I'll be close enough where anybody can pretty much track me down and, you know, and come and attend a workshop if they like. And we'll go from there. But I, um, yeah, and also there's conferences that I do regularly. Um, you know, there's uh, the Universal Lightworkers com- Conference coming up in June. And then um, usually a few times a year I'll be a, a speaker somewhere in the country. And, um, oh, that's right, I'm going to be in Albany, New York next week, I just remembered, and, um, and then Richmond, Virginia the following week. So, you know, I definitely get, get spread out. It's, oh, as far as other countries, um, sometimes Brazil once a year, sometimes used to go to Australia regularly, haven't been there in a little while, and sometimes Europe. But um, And I do sacred sites tours. We're going to be doing something with uh, Sedona and some of the sacred sites in the southwest. We're going to be doing a very, very, very powerful tour there with anchoring in consciousness and doing some spiritual work and prayer work as well as touring sacred sites there. So there's quite a number of activities. There's regular tours on my website. You also have means of buying books and um, CDs and DVDs and that sort of thing. So there's quite a variety available there. And I even have an online course, which is available through that website. But um, they can go directly to that online course and look at it a little bit called theinnerchrist.com. So that kind of wraps up a bit of that anyway. And they can learn more if they go to the website. 
Okay. All right. So that's grailproductions.com. Correct. Grail, like the Holy Grail, grailproductions.com. All right. Well, I want to talk just a little bit more before we leave about these stages. And you said the first three were dismantling emptiness and disorientation. And you said that, that we can look inside to sort of see that emptiness and feel disoriented, but it's leading us somewhere. So That's right. You... The first three stages are the ones that most human beings are going through constantly in one way or another, sometimes more dramatically than others. But most human beings never get past the third stage. As soon as they get disoriented... It makes them feel like they're not in control, so they panic, which I mentioned earlier in the first part of the show. They panic, and they go right back to their old ways, whether it's an addiction that we go back to, whether it's a person we go back to, whether it's behaviors or habits, or even listening to the unhealthy advice, sometimes, of unhealthy people in our lives. It's still going back and back and back, and then what's that going to do? Build another unhealthy life? It still has to be dismantled, and, and, and it's going to be making us feel empty, and then we're going to get disoriented again. So we're going to go around and around. But for the brave of heart, there's another stage waiting, and it's what I call the fourth stage, which is rebuilding. And that leads to the fifth stage, which is a new life. But the only way you can get to the fourth stage called rebuilding is when you surrender. You must, to, to cross from stage three to four, you must cross the bridge it's being vulnerable, it's being humble, and it's being in a state of surrender to get over. Otherwise, you're going to panic and go back to you being in control. So to get over the fourth stage, to rebuild a new life, you must learn that the little you, the ego-based you, that got you into this mess cannot guide you effectively, efficiently, and, and sufficiently to get you over that, that bridge to a new life. It cannot. It's not capable in fact, the little you doesn't want you to get over that bridge, but even if it did, it's not capable. Here is where we learn surrender, and it's to God, to the higher power mentioned in even 12-step programs in all religions and philosophy. But it's on a practical level. It's not theory, it's not superstition, and it's not just a psychological practice. It's a personal and spiritual practice. Over the bridge we go, but it must be guided by spirit. So this is where we learn to say, okay, I don't know. God, whatever you are, wherever you are. You can use any terminology you want. But in, in the book, I give specific prayers and exercises for each stage so that it's really simple and clear. Wonderful. When we get into vulnerability, we step over that bridge into a life of, lead me, God, guide me. And you become one with that God, preferably, and it becomes an inner compass, an inner guide. It's, it leads you into the fifth stage, which is a new life. And you see the fruits of that new life. And it's not just once that you do this. It's in all categories of your life, and it's consistently to be done. And you don't have to revisit the dismantling so often. And even if you do, you do it with more grace, more speedily done, and you come through shining. Okay. Very hopeful message. Thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show today and giving us this hopeful message. And tune in again next week to hear Colette Baron-Reed talk about messages and wisdom from the hidden realms. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.